0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A win for the Justice Department, it regains access to documents marked classified from Mar-a-Lago, allowing it to resume its criminal probe into former President Trump. Is the Federal Reserve going to roll out a system of digital currency? The White House says it's exploring the risks and benefits of such a system. In light of Texas designating cartels as terrorist organizations, a former DEA agent is calling for an Operation Warp Speed to crack down on them. He cites Florida's AG calling fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction and compares Mexican cartels to ISIS. Russia and Ukraine make a surprise prisoner swap that includes almost 300 people. Ten are foreigners of various nationalities who fought for Ukraine. The latest on the legal battle over documents seized from former President Trump's Florida home, a federal appeals court is letting the Justice Department regain access to documents marked classified. That means the DOJ can resume its criminal probe into Trump. Entitie's Jessica Beatty has more.
1: The U.S. government got its way Wednesday. It wanted an appeals court to prevent Trump lawyers and the special master from seeing records marked classified that were taken from Mar-a-Lago. It also wanted the DOJ to regain access to the documents for its criminal investigation into Trump. The court's emergency intervention reverses a trial judge's ruling that blocked federal investigators' work on the documents. It also partially halts the special master's review of that subset of about 100 records, which might have allowed Trump's legal team to see them. However, the special master is able to continue his work reviewing the rest of the material seized from Mar-a-Lago. Judge Raymond Deary's job is to ensure investigators don't use records belonging to Trump or those he may be able to claim are confidential. The 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals' three-judge panel and Deary called on Trump's lawyers to explain if the documents had been declassified, something his team would not clarify for now, saying it could put Trump at a disadvantage. Trump has said he declassified the materials. On Tuesday, Trump's lawyers told the appeals court that the government hasn't proven that Trump held classified records. In response, DOJ lawyers said Trump hasn't proven that he declassified the records. In the end, the judges determined that the documents in question should be treated as classified for now. Meanwhile, the Senate Intelligence Committee still hasn't been briefed about the Mar-a-Lago documents. The chair of the committee, Democrat Senator Mark Warner, says a briefing is extraordinarily important.
2: The
3: potential national security damage that could be done with mishandling of classified documents, the first thing you learn when you go on the Intelligence Committee is how important uh, to keep our country secrets.
1: Warner's calling for a briefing on the Mar-a-Lago documents soon. Jessica Beatty, NTD News.
0: On to the congressional probe of January 6th. Virginia Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, has agreed to interview with the January 6th committee. Mrs. Thomas's lawyer confirmed that the interview is voluntary. She says that she's eager to answer the committee's questions and clear up any misconceptions about her work relating to the 2020 election the washington post previously reported that the committee obtained emails between virginia thomas and attorney john eastman eastman advised former president trump about the election he reportedly said that then vice president mike pence could stop the certification of biden's presidency a lawyer for mrs thomas previously said she had no role in the january 6th breach and never discussed election litigation strategy with eastman And the Biden administration is closely examining the possibilities for issuing a central bank digital currency. This is according to a White House report. Here are the details. According to a
4: technical report prepared by the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, the White House is exploring the risks and benefits of central bank digital currency, or CBDC. The report says such a system could integrate seamlessly with traditional forms of the U.S. dollar, improve existing payment systems, ensure global financial interoperability, advance financial inclusion and equity, protect national security, provide ability to exercise human rights, and align with democratic and environmental values, including privacy protections. It also says that the digital currency should be used to administer social benefits, conform with environmental priorities, and prevent the use of the digital dollar in ways that violate civil or human rights. The report does not specify whether the CBDC would need a third party for payments to go through between a sender and receiver. If it does, it would go against decentralization, one of the basic tenets and advantages of adopting cryptocurrencies. According to recommendations, the CBDC system would be managed by either a set of trusted entities, a network of system participants, or a combination of the two. But there are still privacy concerns associated with the central bank digital currency system. Alondra Nelson, head of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, said last week, quote, A U.S. CBDC could also introduce a variety of risks, as it might affect everything ranging from the stability of the financial system to the protection of sensitive data. In March, three Republican senators put forward a bill to prohibit the Federal Reserve from issuing CBDC directly to individuals. They are warning that it could end up being used as a financial surveillance tool. Senator Ted Cruz said, quote, this bill goes a long way in making sure big government doesn't attempt to centralize and control cryptocurrency so that it can continue to thrive and prosper in the United States.
0: Turning to the drug crisis, Florida authorities successfully shut down another fentanyl operation. They seized more than eight kilograms of the drug, enough to kill more than four million people. According to the state attorney general, the drug trafficking organization used the U.S. Postal Service to order fentanyl from California. Investigators received a tip about large amounts of narcotics being sold in Clay County, Florida, and began the investigation in July. In addition to the 8 kilograms of fentanyl, they also found over 1 kilogram of cocaine and over 2 kilograms of methamphetamine. Other items seized include 30 firearms and over $180,000 in cash. The Clay County Sheriff's Office arrested two county residents. They are alleged to have ordered and distributed the drugs to other dealers. Next, we bring in a seasoned drug enforcement officer to give analysis on moves by Texas to combat drug smuggling. He zeroes in on the fentanyl crisis and how state and federal efforts can make an impact. Joining us now is former DEA Special Agent-in-Charge Derek Maltz, whose law enforcement career spanned over 28 years. So glad you can join us for this important topic, Derek.
3: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: What impact will Texas Governor Greg Abbott's order designating Mexican drug cartels as terrorist organizations have on combating the fentanyl crisis across the U.S.?
3: Well, we really appreciate the leadership down in the state of Texas. I was down there and I saw the great work. BEING DONE BY YOU KNOW THE TEXAS LAW ENFORCEMENT OFFICIALS, THE DPS, THE BORDER PATROL, BUT THE REALITY IS IS THAT WE'VE BEEN CALLING FOR DECLARING THE CARTELS AS TERRORISTS MANY YEARS AGO, AND PRESIDENT TRUMP WAS considering DOING IT, BUT THE BUREAUCRATS SHUT IT DOWN IN WASHINGTON. SO I THINK IT'S A GREAT STATEMENT. WE NEED TO TREAT THEM AS TERRORISTS. JUST LIKE THE FORMER ATTORNEY GENERAL SAID, THEY'RE OPERATING LIKE ISIS. THEY OPERATE LIKE, YOU KNOW, TERRORISTS AROUND THE WORLD. They're killing more people than anyone we've ever seen killed in American history. These kids are dying at record levels. So we need to go down there and destroy the production labs.
0: Now, this is something Governor Abbott is calling for. How would a federal designation of the cartels as terrorist organizations facilitate the crackdown on them?
3: Well, the federal designation would put significant focus and resources on the problem. Right now we're treating this like the old grandpa's opioid addiction crisis, which is very serious, don't get me wrong. But right now we have a state of urgency because they're killing our kids at record levels. So designating them federally through the State Department foreign terrorist designation, we would get the whole of government approach, we'd get the best and brightest American patriots with all the capabilities, all the authorities to go after these cartels like they'd never seen before in the history of the country. That's what we need. We need a warp speed type of attack, just like we did Operation Warp Speed with the COVID. That's what we need with the fentanyl poisoning, because it's really devastating to our communities and our families.
0: That is really alarming, comparing these cartels to ISIS. Now, Florida's Attorney General released a DHS memo back in May. It said that Border Patrol agents are preparing for more migrant activity due to President Biden's immigration policies. What is the connection between mass migration, including possibly migrants paying cartels for safe passage into the U.S., and cartels and drugs coming across the border?
3: Well, number one, we have historic levels of migrants coming to the southwest border. Just look at the numbers, 2.1 million apprehensions. THERE'S BEEN OVER 200,000 APPREHENSIONS THE LAST SIX MONTHS. THEN you GOT TO LOOK AT THE gotaways. THOSE ARE THE PEOPLE THAT RUN ACROSS THE BORDER THAT ARE PAYING REALLY A LOT OF MONEY TO THE CARTELS TO COME INTO THE COUNTRY, AND WE DON'T EVEN KNOW WHO THEY ARE. BUT MORE IMPORTANTLY, IT'S DIVERTING THE RESOURCES OF OUR BRAVE MEN AND WOMEN IN BORDER PATROL TO DO MIGRANT PROCESSING, babysitting, PAPERWORK, INSTEAD OF DOING BORDER SECURITY. SO IT'S IMPACTING THEIR MORALE. AND THE CARTELS ARE TAKING TOTAL ADVANTAGE. you GOT TO REMEMBER, THERE ARE SOME EXPERTS, AND I DON'T HAVE THESE NUMBERS, THAT HAVE SUGGESTED THE CARTELS ARE MAKING MORE MONEY NOW FROM THE MIGRANT SMUGGLING THAN THEY DO FROM DRUG SMUGGLING. I DON'T KNOW IF THAT'S TRUE, BUT HERE'S WHAT I KNOW. THEY'RE MAKING BILLIONS AND BILLIONS OF DOLLARS BETWEEN DRUGS AND BETWEEN THE MIGRANTS, AND THEY'RE TAKING ADVANTAGE OF THE WEAK BORDER and the, AND THE LIMITED RESOURCES. SO THEY'RE VERY SMART. THEY OPERATE LIKE A FORTUNE 500 COMPANY. But they're terrorists that are destroying our country. We have to step up the game. We have to use the best and brightest. And by the way, the attorney general in Florida also is supporting, along with about 18 other attorney generals, to designate fentanyl a weapon of mass destruction. And that came from the Families Against Fentanyl. This movement is picking up momentum. So between the terrorist designation and between the weapon of mass destruction designation, we might be able to make some gains on the supply network. But we still have to get the kids' help. We still have to educate America, because they don't even know what fentanyl is, because the White House is silent.
0: Weapons of mass destruction, terrorist designations, it really does put this in perspective for us. Former special agent in charge, Derek Maltz, thank you so much for your analysis. Thank you. Still ahead on NTD News, some recovering addicts can earn prizes for things like negative drug tests or going to counseling. Neuroscientists say their brains respond well to the short-term rewards. And a Captain America actor is living up to the role in real life. He's returned to his hometown of New Orleans to help repair roofs damaged by last year's Hurricane Ida. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Amazon founder Jeff Bezos and CEO Andy Jassy now must testify in an investigation into the company. The Federal Trade Commission is investigating whether the company misled people into subscribing to Amazon Prime and other services. Amazon previously claimed that FTC staff were harassing the two men and imposing undue burdens on them. Amazon filed a petition to the FTC's top officials asking them to intervene, but agency commissioners said Amazon had not met the legal threshold to block the civil subpoenas issued to the two men. The probe began last year as an investigation into Amazon Prime and whether Amazon automatically enrolled consumers in the program without their consent. It has since expanded to include nearly half a dozen Amazon services, including Audible, Amazon Music, Kindle Unlimited, and Subscribe and Save. Some Tesla owners will need to get some repair work done. More than one million vehicles are being recalled, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Officials there say the windows in these Teslas don't stop rolling up and also retract quickly when an object is detected. That could pose a potential injury hazard to people inside the vehicle. Among those affected by the recall, Tesla Model 3s from 2017 through 2022 and Model S vehicles from 2021 and 2022. Tesla says the issue can be fixed with a software update free of charge. The city of Detroit is suing the U.S. Census Bureau. Detroit claims the bureau undercounted its 2021 population estimate. The census happens every 10 years. It's used to determine how many representatives each state gets in Congress. It also dictates how an estimated $1.5 trillion in federal funding is spent. The city is asking the court to compel the bureau to share its formula. The suit alleges the estimate shows a loss of residence despite a growing housing crunch in the city. According to the city, the Bureau refused to review evidence of an undercount or share how it reached the number. Leonard Francis, known as Fat Leonard, is in custody. He's the former military contractor accused of the biggest ever corruption scandal in the U.S. Navy. He's currently being held in Venezuela after his arrest on Tuesday. U.S. government officials say they have started the extradition process. In 2015, he pleaded guilty to fraud and bribery. Francis was on house arrest in San Diego when he fled earlier this month by cutting off his ankle monitor. He escaped just three weeks before he was set to be sentenced. The probe into the scandal started in 2013 and includes information gathered from numerous places around the world, including Bangkok and Singapore. A 30-year prison sentence for a New York man who pleaded guilty to ambushing police officers in 2020. The Bosnian National was living in Brooklyn illegally at the time. Prosecutors say the man approached a pair of NYPD officers and started to stab one of them in the neck. According to the indictment, he then started to chase the other officer with a knife At one point, he grabbed a gun from the first officer and started firing. Investigators say he repeatedly yelled Allahu Akbar during the attack. He was shot numerous times during the conflict. No one was killed. The injured officers were treated and were later released from the hospital. The state of Florida is asking the Supreme Court to make a ruling on its social media law. The law allows political candidates to sue social media platforms if they are blocked or removed for more than 14 days. Tech industry companies that oppose the Florida measure argue it infringes on their First Amendment rights, but one of the opponents, NetChoice, says it welcomes Florida's petition to the high court to help settle the matter. Some are concerned a ruling in favor of the law would force tech companies to host spam and hate speech on their platforms. Others say social media is the new town square and shouldn't be allowed to censor people. And video of California detectives interrogating Sherry Papini in 2020 is released. The Northern California mother of two was sentenced on Monday to 18 months in prison for faking her own kidnapping.
5: It's not an abduction. She asked me to come get her. No. I rented a car. No. I drove up and picked her up. He he passed the polygraph
1: test, Sherry. If that's not what happened, what did happen, Shane?
6: I don't know. No, there's no way it's changed. There's no way. There's no
1: way. The
0: DNA doesn't lie. His DNA. His DNA was on you. There's no way. She faked the kidnapping so she could go back to a former boyfriend. The ordeal led to a three-week multi-state search before she resurfaced on Thanksgiving Day in 2016. The August 2020 interview shows her breaking down in tears as she's questioned by investigators from the Shasta County Sheriff's Office accompanied by her husband. The 40-year-old pleaded guilty last spring to staging the abduction and lying to the FBI about it. As part of the plea bargain, she's required to pay more than $300,000 in restitution. The judge in the case gave Papini an 18-month sentence in order to deter others. The judge said he considered the seriousness of the offense and the sheer number of people who were impacted. They included law enforcement officers who searched for her, the community that believed she was missing for four years, and those who lived in fear because of her fake story. A heavy report about drugs there, but addiction recovery is possible, and a new treatment method shows some promise. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on a program that involves prizes for negative drug tests or showing up for counseling. Small prize.
7: Harold Lewis is a 59-year-old former cook. He earns small prizes like gift cards, sunglasses, and headphones for staying in treatment for opioid addiction.
1: It makes recovery fun, because recovery should be fun, because you're getting your life back. The
7: method is known as contingency management. It's all part of a 12-week program based in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The whole incentive idea is to get people in the building so that they can attend groups and they could hear that one person speak or that one phrase that really motivates them to want to change. And I have seen it be very impactful. The method is grounded in brain science. People who prefer small, immediate rewards over larger, delayed ones are vulnerable to addiction.
1: Motivational incentive programs are one of the most highly effective treatments that we have available for persons with substance use disorders, yet they're one of the least available out in the field, and they are rarely offered by frontline counselors and providers.
7: Addiction takes over the brain's reward center, hijacking dopamine pathways and robbing people of the ability to enjoy simple pleasures.
1: Biologically, the use of substances lights up the same part of the brain that is lit up when a person wins the lottery, falls in love, or experiences something really positive and exciting.
7: In addition to private organizations, some states are using local taxes to support contingency management programs, while others have sought federal grants. The Department of Health and Human Services is assessing its guidance on how much grant money can be spent on rewards. Researchers say the current $75 limit per patient should be raised to about $600. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: And a bit of uplifting news, Avengers actor Anthony Mackey has returned to his hometown of New Orleans to help repair hurricane-damaged roofs. For people in his old neighborhood, he truly is their Captain America.
7: Anthony Mackey is working with GAF, one of the country's leading roofing manufacturers. Their mission? Fixing roofs for homeowners in New Orleans who sustained damage during last year's Hurricane Ida.
5: It gives me a sense of pride that I'm doing my people a service. You know, I know what people in this neighborhood go through because I was born in this neighborhood, I grew up in this neighborhood, and I now live in this neighborhood. You know, and it's important to me to bring back what I've the gifts and blessings I received from outside the city.
7: The project is especially close to Mackie's heart. The actor grew up in New Orleans working at his family's roofing business.
5: When I was a kid, he would go through the city and the people in our neighborhood, he would do their rules for free. You know, that was the, the importance of growing up in Gentilly, and specifically the 7 Ward. it was a community effort. You know, if the old lady on your street got a shingle missing, you go on a roof and you fix the shingle, no question asked.
7: GAF has already repaired or replaced 3,000 roofs. Now, they've committed to installing 500 roofs throughout the Gulf region. The roofing effort is part of the company's Community Matters program. One New Orleans resident said she had been concerned about her roof. Then she got the call saying it would be fixed.
8: I got my roof. Y'all don't
9: know. I was so excited. I was through the house so excited, thinking, you know, everybody who played a part in the doing it.
7: Gaff is also training people through their Gaff Roofing Academy. As for Mackey, he says,
5: I'm not a superhero. I'm just a regular guy that's trying to do what I'm supposed to do. Um, you know, I grew up in a house where, when you're blessed, you give those blessings to other people. So, you know, the fact that I play a superhero in movies, the fact that I'm in movies, isn't important.
7: Mackey has appeared in numerous Avengers movies and is taking over the Captain America role. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, a key U.S. agency is getting a new climate cop, one who studied at a Beijing-controlled university. We dig into the officials' China ties. And Hong Kong's status as a global aviation hub has been hit hard by Beijing's zero-COVID policy. An expert warns if China doesn't ease restrictions, the entire airline industry could suffer. Find out more right here on NTD News. Welcome back. Japan intervened in the foreign exchange market today for the first time in 24 years. They hope to prevent the yen from weakening further against the dollar. Japan's vice finance minister for international affairs said, quote, the government is concerned about these excessive fluctuations and has just taken decisive action. When asked by a reporter if the decisive action meant market intervention, he responded in the affirmative. It's the first time since 1998 that the Japanese government intervened in the foreign exchange market by buying yen. Earlier today, the Bank of Japan announced that it will maintain its ultra-easing monetary policy. This signals their resolve to remain an outlier among G7 nations scrambling to curb inflation with tight policy. A key bureau under the Treasury Department is getting a new chief climate officer. The new climate cop, Yuan-Nina Chen, studied at a Communist Party-controlled university in China. NTD's Juliet Song has more on that. The department Chen works for is crucial. It's called the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency.
10: The bureau is America's banking regulator. It supervises and regulates all national banks, federal savings associations, and federal branches of foreign banks. Yue Chen's responsibilities include focusing on climate risk management frameworks for the federal banking system. She will report to acting comptroller Michael Su. Chen got her bachelor's degree from China's Tsinghua University. The university hosts laboratories linked to the Chinese military. And one of its key research areas is defense, including missiles and artificial intelligence. It's also supervised by a defense industry agency for the Chinese Communist Party. The regime controls Tsinghua University through a Communist Party committee. In a speech this July, the head of the committee, Cho Yong, reminded all of the party members about the importance of being loyal to the Communist Party. He said he hopes all party members will forever take the party's leadership, direction, and will as their own. It's unclear if Yue Chen is a Communist Party member. NTD has reached out to the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, but did not immediately receive a reply. Juliet Song, NTD News.
0: Hong Kong has lost its position as a global aviation hub thanks to China's zero COVID policy. That's according to Willie Walsh, Director General of the International Air Transport Association. But you know, I look at Hong Kong devastated by
2: the policies, not by the virus, let's be honest. It hasn't been devastated by the virus, but devastated by the policies that have been adopted. Uh, you know, Cathay Pacific is a shadow of its former self as a result. Hong Kong has lost its position as a global hub and will struggle to regain it uh, because other hubs have taken advantage of it.
0: The past summer saw a pickup of flight demand across the globe, but Beijing is still enforcing strict border and social curbs related to COVID-19. Hong Kong is traditionally a major hub where passengers transit between international flights and on journeys to China. It's also home to the head office of Hong Kong's flagship carrier, Cathay Pacific. The airline has suffered heavy losses under Beijing's zero-COVID policy. Walsh warned that if China continues its restrictions next year, recovery from the pandemic will be slowed in the entire aviation industry. He said the IATA is closely watching for any signs that China will ease its curbs. China says it aims to achieve a so-called reunification with Taiwan. A Chinese regime spokesperson referred to that prospect as peaceful on Wednesday. This following weeks of military maneuvers and war games by Beijing near the island. Let's zoom in.
11: The spokesperson from China's Taiwan Affairs Office described complete reunification as a must for Beijing, though he didn't give details on a time frame. He also promised Taiwan could have a social system different from the mainland, one that ensures their way of life is respected, including religious freedoms. But he noted that was under the precondition of ensuring national sovereignty, security and development interests. It's not the first time China has made this kind of promise. Before Britain handed Hong Kong over to Chinese rule in 1997, Beijing committed to upholding the Sino-British Joint Declaration. The agreement stated that Hong Kong would enjoy a high degree of autonomy for at least 50 years and guaranteed freedoms not enjoyed in mainland China. But 25 years later, the financial hub saw increasing arrests of pro-democracy activists and suppression of freedom of speech. As for the term reunification, communist China has never ruled Taiwan. The island's officials say Beijing's sovereignty claims are void.
0: And just ahead, Russia and Ukraine make a major prisoner swap involving almost 300 people. Foreigners who fought with Ukraine were all sent to Saudi Arabia. And young Russians express worry over being drafted after Moscow puts out a new mobilization for the Ukraine war. Russia's opposition leader criticizes the move. Stay tuned for more in just a minute. Russia and Ukraine carried out a surprise, large-scale prisoner swap on Wednesday involving almost 300 people. The exchange included 10 foreigners as well as commanders who led the Ukrainian defense of Mariupol earlier this year. Here's the story.
12: This pregnant woman was among the prisoners of war released on Wednesday in Ukraine after the country carried out a surprise prisoner swap with Russia. It's the largest since the war began in February, involving almost 300 people. Footage released by a POW coordination team under Ukraine's defense ministry showed people being led away in a location given as Chernihiv in northern Ukraine. (inaudible) Among those released by Moscow, the commanders who led a prolonged Ukrainian defense of Mariupol earlier this year. In a video published by the Ukrainian president's office, Volodymyr Zelensky was seen addressing via video link the released commanders who are said to be in Turkey also released 10 foreigners. Saudi Arabia helped broker an arrangement which saw the 10 flown to the kingdom. According to the Saudi Foreign Ministry, the mediation involved Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who has maintained close ties with Russian President Vladimir Putin. The freed prisoners were American, British, Croatian, Moroccan, and Swedish nationals, the ministry said in a statement.
7: Thank you very much.
12: The timing and scale of the swap came as a surprise. Earlier in the day, Putin had announced a partial troop mobilization in an apparent escalation of the conflict. Zelensky said the prisoner swap had been under preparation for quite a long time and involved intense haggling with the help of Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Under the deal, 215 Ukrainians were released, most of them captured after the fall of Mariupol. In exchange, Ukraine sent back 55 Russians and pro-Moscow Ukrainians, including Viktor Medvedchuk, the leader of a banned pro-Russian party who was facing treason charges. The prisoner swap included two
0: American veterans. Both were volunteers from Alabama who were captured by Russia while fighting for Ukraine in June. A spokesman for the families says the men are safe at the U.S. Embassy in Saudi Arabia. The men are expected to return to the U.S. after medical checks and debriefings. Kyiv's allies respond with defiance. It's a reaction to President Vladimir Putin's mobilization order and his veiled threat to use nuclear weapons. Allies say they will continue supporting Ukraine and that Putin's move demonstrates Russia's weakness. Here are the details.
9: After Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday called up 300,000 reservists to fight in Ukraine, Kyiv and his Western allies responded by saying the move showed Russia's campaign was failing. The Allies pledged further support for President Volodymyr Zelensky's government. The Polish Prime Minister spoke on the sidelines of military exercises.
2: Russia will continue to spread destruction. It will try to destroy Ukraine and seize more Ukrainian territory. And because of the recent series of painful failures, Russia has launched a new plan of changing the map by the annexation of new territories. We cannot allow that. He announced that Poland would increase the size of
9: its army next year by 20,000. The German Vice-Chancellor called Moscow's
2: move a terrible and wrong step by Russia. For me and the German government, it's clear that we will continue to fully support Ukraine during this difficult time. Putin's announcement came
9: against the backdrop of the UN General Assembly in New York, where Moscow's invasion of Ukraine has been a target of broad international criticism. French President Emmanuel Macron dismissed plans to hold referendums on Russian-occupied regions on
2: joining Russia. Russia declared war. It invaded this region. It bombed it. It killed people. It made other people flee. And now it explains that in this same region, it is going to organize a referendum. If this were not tragic, we could laugh. This is cynicism, and therefore obviously it would not be recognized by the international community. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. That
3: both of these things are happening this week as we're at the United Nations shows his utter contempt and disdain for the United Nations, for the General Assembly, for the United Nations Charter.
9: Estonian Prime Minister Kaya Kalas said Putin's nuclear threat is meant to fuel fear and terrorize the wider public, but that Europe will not yield.
0: Some young Russians say they are worried about being drafted after President Putin announced the partial mobilization order. Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny says Putin is sending more Russians to their death for a failing war. Here's the story.
8: On the streets of Moscow, some young residents admitted they were worried about the prospect of being drafted into the military after a partial mobilization announced by President Putin.
2: We always feel worried in moments like these because you have a wife and kids, and you think about that. I would not want to leave them in case something happens."
8: Another young man said it was better not to pay attention to news of Moscow's so-called special military operation.
2: You are better off not burdening yourself with it, because if you start to think about it too much, get boggled down in it, nothing good will come of it.
8: Older residents mostly welcomed the news that Moscow-controlled regions in eastern and southern Ukraine are set to hold referendums on becoming parts of Russia.
2: I think it's long overdue. People don't want to live under bombardments anymore. They want to live decently. That's why they are looking to be rescued by joining Russia. It's very logical. They are our people. We need to protect them, and we need to be united in everything.
8: Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny said during a court hearing that the size of the crimes committed by Putin is expanding with the partial mobilization of reservists.
2: The main thing is already clear now that this crime, this criminal-aggressive ongoing war, is getting worse, deepening, and Putin is trying to involve as many people as possible in all this. He wants to smear hundreds of thousands of people in this blood. Of course, it will lead to enormous tragedies, a huge amount of losses. It won't lead and it can't lead to anything good."
8: Russia's anti-war groups called for street protests in major cities against the mobilization order.
0: One-way flights out of Russia were rocketing up in price and selling out fast on Wednesday. That's after President Vladimir Putin ordered the immediate call-up of 300,000 reservists. Putin's announcement raised fears that some men of fighting age would not be allowed to leave the country. The Kremlin declined to comment on whether the borders would be closed to those subject to the mobilization order. Officials asked people to be patient while the laws clarified. Meanwhile, Google Trends data showed a spike in searches for Avia sales, Russia's most popular flight booking site. Direct flights from Moscow and Istanbul and the city of Yerevan in Armenia were sold out on Wednesday. Both destinations allow Russians to enter without a visa. Flights from Moscow to Istanbul via Turkish Airlines were either all booked or unavailable until Sunday. The cheapest flights to Dubai cost more than $5,000, about five times the average monthly wage. The head of Russia's tourism agency said no restrictions have been imposed on traveling abroad so far. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at ntd.com. And coming up, a huge cyber attack on a telecom company exposes Australians' data. Details are slowly coming out. Up to 9 million customers may have been affected. And European energy costs are soaring and affecting business owners. Find out how businesses in Hungary are dealing with inflation right after the break. Good to have you back with us. A huge cyber attack in Australia, Optus, a branch of Singapore Telecommunications, says it's investigating the unauthorized access of customer details. Information exposed in the attack includes names, home addresses, dates of birth, phone numbers, email addresses, and driver's license and passport numbers. It's one of the largest cyber attacks in Australia's history. Optus says it immediately shut down the attack after discovering it and that payment details and account passwords weren't compromised. The newspaper The Australian reported that up to 9 million customers may have been affected. Optus told Reuters it couldn't confirm the number of customers impacted and was continuing to investigate. The Optus CEO says they notified Australian federal police after noticing unusual activity. She adds that they'll contact high-risk customers quite soon and apologize for the incident. Traveling to Belgium, thousands of people gathered in the capital city, Brussels, on Wednesday. They were there to protest skyrocketing energy and food prices. They called it a national day of action. People from across the country gathered. Their banners and placards read, Life is much too expensive. We want solutions now. Everything is going up except our wages and freeze prices, not people. Trade unions and city police said that around 10,000 people took part. The protest disrupted city traffic and public transportation. The war in Ukraine has fueled high energy prices in the European Union. Electricity bills have more than doubled in Belgium over the last year. A Belgian media poll this week showed that 64% of respondents are concerned that they might not be able to afford their electricity and gas bills. In neighboring Germany, the country says it's agreed to nationalize their biggest gas importer. It's an effort to secure the country's energy supply. The deal with Uniper builds on a rescue package from July. It features a capital increase of nearly $8 billion that Germany will finance. This means the government will gain a 99% stake in the energy importer. Uniper supplies about 40% of all gas customers in Germany. And before the war, it brought about half of its gas from Russia. Germany's economy minister, Robert Habeck, said the deal was necessary because of the significance that Uniper plays in the German gas market. The deal still needs to be approved by the European Commission. Last week, the German government also took control of a Russian-owned oil refinery, which supplies 90% of the capital's fuel. The soaring energy prices are hitting businesses all over Europe. Inflation in Hungary is at the highest level in two decades. Some energy-intensive small businesses are facing additional monthly bills of thousands. Here's a look.
9: In Hungary, sudden cuts to a household utility subsidy have caused a dramatic jump in gas and electricity bills for many consumers, especially businesses. Zingberger has 15 stores in the country, and some stores are facing an additional monthly cost of over 3,000
2: pounds.
3: Our
2: energy prices have either tripled or increased seven and a half times. It depends on how you look at it from the last December prices to February March prices or the most recent bills in August.
9: The company has initiated some energy-saving measures but decided not to
2: increase prices, fearing losing customers. We are really in a difficult situation because we don't know how we can further reduce our energy use. We still have energy contracts valid until 2023 But the supplier can terminate them at any time on the grounds that it cannot supply at the given price.
8: In
2: an affluent
9: district of Budapest, this gourmet bakery has raised its prices by 10% to keep up with rapidly rising costs of energy and raw materials.
10: We think that a two-fold increase in energy costs still fits into the operation of our business and into our calculations. But in the case of a three- to four-fold increase, we will really need to think about whether we can keep going.
9: Even though Hungary had its hottest summer on record this year, the bakery took to reducing its use of air conditioning and sought to ensure that its baking ovens do not run needlessly without bread inside.
10: The future of the business is important. On the other hand, the livelihoods of five families depend on our decisions about the rising energy prices.
9: The price of flour, and especially butter, has risen dramatically in recent months prompting the bakery to use olive oil rather than butter in many of its bread and pastries to cut costs the government has announced a support scheme for energy intensive small businesses it will cover half the increase in their energy bills compared with last year's levels
0: france is trying to boost the use of bicycles as a transportation method especially in rural areas the country announced new funds to support cycling and cycling infrastructure next year 250 million euros, or roughly $246 million, will boost bike infrastructure and finance cycling lessons for 800,000 schoolchildren. French Prime Minister Elizabeth Bourne said that cycling in cities has really taken off in cities in recent years and that cycling can also be a mode of transport in rural areas. Bourne launched a cycling initiative when she was transport minister four years ago. France added thousands of miles of new bike lanes and rolled out subsidies for buying bicycles and bike training for children. Bikes had become the most sold means of transportation in France. 2.7 million were sold in 2021. And coming up, community gardens are making a comeback in Australia's backyards. With food prices on the rise, these small spaces yield free produce and something more important. Find out after the break. The largest ancient shipwreck of its kind was found off the shore of Israel. Researchers say it shows that traders from the west still came to port even after the Islamic conquest of the Holy Land. The merchant ship is made from fir and walnut trees and carried containers with delights from far-off lands. It sank in the shallow waters near Israel. The shipwreck is dated to the 7th or 8th century A.D. It was around the time the largely Christian empire was losing its grip on the area. Islamic rule was extending its reach of the eastern Mediterranean region. The director of the excavation says it's evidence that trade continued in the Mediterranean despite the religious divide. She said it reverses previous ideas about the ending of international commerce in the region. Researchers hope to find a hall to display the ship in its entirety. Otherwise, they will cover it with sand and leave it at the sea bottom with the countless other shipwrecks. Community gardens are sprouting up in the backyards of Australians. For modern city dwellers, these small spaces offer something more than just free produce. Let's take a closer look.
11: Community gardens have been tucked away in Australia's cities and suburbs for decades. But concerns about rising food prices and the preservation of urban spaces are bringing them back.
6: When I drive past, I see people in here like chatting and like gardening together. And yeah, that's what it's really all about.
11: These little patches of earth provide not only free produce, but a place for interaction and connection. While some are kept under lock and key, others operate as free for all.
6: Open to anyone. It's just like safe space for everyone to kind of come and mingle and um, join together. And it was really about bringing the community together and connecting people in in a day and age when we're not as connected.
11: More and more of these projects are emerging with support from local councils, charities, and other organizations.
2: This is a marvelous opportunity for people who might feel a little bit isolated in the city that they can come down and meet their neighbors.
11: Martin is a resident of Adelaide. He has helped run the first urban parklands community garden there for over a decade. Like him, a lot of gardeners start out with no idea how to use their space.
2: I didn't know anything about gardening but you come down here and you meet people who have gardened for 40, 50 years and are a wealth of information so you learn a lot just by being with them.
11: Volunteers are the key to the success of these programs.
2: It's giving
3: back to people, it's uh, wonderful uh, in this particular community to be able to come together. It's so lovely uh, when you think about that all the people around here can come in, they can get something free.
11: It takes hours of work to keep the garden thriving all year round, but for them, the payoff is worth the effort.
0: Do you have fond memories of your grandparents? They always loved seeing you and made you feel special. Today, with families separated by distance, two generations are missing out. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body.
6: I bet there's a lot of things you remember about being at your grandparents' house. Those memories of yours are shared by your grandparents also. But times have changed with many families living on opposite sides of the country or even overseas. A new study comparing Asian and Western societies has found that strong grandparent-child relationships have reciprocal benefits for the whole family. Emeritus Professor Marjorie Ebbeck from the University of South Australia studied intergenerational relationships in Australia, Singapore, and Hong Kong. In Hong Kong and Singapore, the Confucian concept of filial piety still runs deep. In turn, the children enjoy a close and respectful relationship with the seniors. They also get to learn more about their culture and family history. The children soak up their elders' wisdom. With childcare sorted, the grandparents often participate in the children's education and development. This delivers significant value to the grandparents. It boosts their self-worth, social connections, and wellness. In the West, older adults work longer, and elderly parents can spend their later years distant from family. Many wind up in aged care homes, lonely and disconnected. A study of post-menopausal women in Australia found babysitting the grandkids just once a week helped keep Alzheimer's away. Interacting with toddlers fires up neurons in regions of the brain responsible for symbolic, mathematical, and verbal abilities. Connecting with families and supporting them to love their children for life is vital for the health and well-being of grandparents, young families, and society.
0: In sports news, Roger Federer is paired with longtime rival Rafael Nadal for his final professional match. The doubles match will take place on Friday evening at the Laver Cup in London.
12: So just uh, walking out on court and having the chance to play with the likes of, of Rafa or Novak also in the past has been an amazing experience for me. So to be able to do that uh, uh, one more time, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be wonderful.
1: After all the, yeah,
12: all the amazing things that we shared together on and off
1: court. Um, be part of this uh, historic moment. It's uh, going to be something uh, yeah, amazing and unforgettable for me. Uh.
0: Federer and Nadal have won 42 men's Grand Slam singles titles between them. The two have met 40 times in ATP Tour competitions. Nadal won 24 of those matches. Federer is only playing in one doubles match at the Labor Cup, a team competition between Europe and the rest of the world. Federer announced last week that he will retire from professional tennis after the Labor Cup. The tennis legend said he had to recognize when it is time to end his competitive career. The Labor Cup takes place from September 23rd to the 25th. By the time of the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, modern pentathlon could look different. A new obstacle course race could replace horse riding as one of the disciplines. This November, the International Federation of the Sport will vote on whether to adopt the obstacle course race and get rid of horse riding. After that, they will submit the change to the International Olympic Committee, or IOC. The IOC dropped modern pentathlon from the initial list of sports for the Los Angeles Games, but the sport could still be included in the final list. Horse riding has been an element of modern pentathlon for more than a century. The decision to drop horse riding came after last year's Tokyo Games when a German coach struck a horse when it refused to jump a fence. This led to widespread criticism of the sport. And that's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. Please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.